happen? Three of you, three of you in the ring, three of you in the ring to revenge the fire burning a razor. You burned Razor's face. You took her out of action. And you're going to get your due because you three will wrestle the Psycho Sisters. You know, when we all have our 15 minutes of fame, and I'd like to take a couple of my 15 minutes to talk about the rights and the wrongs in the world of professional wrestling. This match is for the ECW World Heavyweight Championship! Welcome everyone to another edition of the Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. This is your host, Mr. Green, and we are out and back for another edition and review of WOW. And this one will be episode 30. We're getting down to the end. Two more following this. Is it two? Yeah, two more. Two more following this. So yeah, we are moving right along. And I'd like to share my uh, opinions and reviews with you on this, on these episodes that have been going on. And again, I know for whatever reasons, there's still people who do not know where this is located. And I try to make a point to bring that up where it is so that you can find it if you want to go and check all of this. And remember, it's more than just the unaired episodes. I'm only going through the ones that I haven't seen that didn't actually air on anyone's TV but you can watch, I mean, they call it season one. I guess technically it would be like season five for them if you included everything that WoW did. But um, you can go to the CW app, cwtv.com or the CW app, and you can go into their shows A to Z. You can look up WoW, and it's got everything from uh their access TV days right on down to the unaired episodes, which is what I'm covering now. You can also go on to Pluto TV and uh, catch up with the shows there. Same thing, except Pluto's setup is a little bit different because they, they're kind of like their own little cable service, you know, within their own little universe. You'd have to go up to what their on-demand section is and then scroll through that and find the episodes. But Either platform works. There was a point in time that WoW episodes was airing on uh, Pro Wrestling TV. And I think that was running, I want to say uh, Pacific Time, at 5 p.m. it was. Now, whether it's still doing it or not, because there was a, they were doing watch-alongs at, at one point. I think they stopped doing that now. And I haven't checked back into it to see whether they are on the schedule for pro wrestling TV on on uh, Pluto, uh, you have to keep in mind that the um, those shows that air that on Pluto TV are linear, meaning it's just like any other TV broadcast. It comes on at a certain time, goes off at a certain time. But you don't have to worry about that if you you know not worried about trying to catch it live. Just look at it on demand. So there we go. Before we go into wow, I think it's important to 
address a couple of things that are going on the in the world of women's wrestling. If I didn't, it wouldn't be the Women's Pro Wrestling Network, nor would this podcast be of any, you know, be doing myself or the, the website any justice. Uh, Madison Rain, who had been a longtime competitor with Impact Wrestling, uh, did show up for in WWE at least once in her career at the Mae Young Classic, has now gone over to AEW, and she is joined as a coach. But she will also be an on-screen performer as well. So that said, Madison Rain will be the next challenger for Jade Cargill and her TBS championship at Quake by the Lake on AEW Dynamite. She's not going to win that title, but it should be a good match. I think that that should be fair to say. Jade Cargill has been more or less protected, and she's been uh, one of their, you know, homegrown. I know some people don't like that phrase, but she's been one of their homegrown stars. And she's got a pretty decent build underneath her. And I don't think that just having a Madison Rain come out of the blue, regardless of her pedigree. Madison Rain is, uh, uh, what, five-time former knockouts champion. Again, the bulk of her career existing between TNA slash Impact Wrestling. So, although she has the credentials to uh, take the title off of her, I don't believe that this will be the time to do it. Now, that's not to say that somewhere in her career there that she doesn't win it. Or for that matter, just win the Women's Championship in general. But I don't think that this will be that time nor place. But we will find out as uh, you know as it rolls on. There's also the Burke Invitational that is coming up for NWA Wrestling on the 27th of August. And as I read this now, as of this podcast, what do we have? We got five? No, 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 no. Yeah, five names that have been announced. Samantha Starr, Kylan King, Tootie Lynn, Missa Kate, and Max the Impaler will all be uh, involved in the Burke Invitational. I was going to say International. Invitational. And this is going to be much like the uh, last, uh, what was it? Empower. It was going to be much like the Empower pay-per-view last year. And the NWA pay-per-view, where the winner of that Invitational, which is essentially a gauntlet battle royal, or, or a Royal Rumble type uh, event, will get the title shot the following night against the reigning champion, Camille. Um, without seeing everybody that's going to be involved in it, it's hard to take a pick at that. Um, I don't know. I mean, I... I don't. I don't see any, of the five that I know. I don't. I don't see anybody there that I would be putting money on. I mean, maybe Max the Impaler, but she kind of identifies as non-binary. I'm not sure if uh, if she would want to be listed as a women's champion. I. I don't know. But anyway, that that is what's happening there. And at, at NWA 74, the the first. Uh, championship match will be com- 
for the women would be Camille versus Taya Valkyrie. Now, I guess I should put into place here that the winner of the Burke Invitational will get a championship match at either Camille or Taya Valkyrie, whoever walks out the champion on night one. So this is a, a two-night thing, a two-night event for NWA 74. Surprisingly, I mean, I, I, I'm surprised they haven't uh, just repeated in power for all the effort and work that Mickey James put into it, and you think they would have uh, just decided to go back to it. The only thing that I hope that when they do this, I hope they have a better production staff or they give more time to the production. I mean, it it was fine and the pay-per-view was was all right, except for, well, one of the tag matches sucked. And uh, whoever was the director during the first Burke Invitational, and you can go back and you can check the review that I had, they kept that camera on Lady Frost for a ridiculously amount of time, long period of time, and just ignored everything in the ring. Now, don't get me wrong, Lady Frost is a very attractive young woman, but that wasn't the purpose of ordering the pay-per-view. <laughs> You're supposed to be looking at the action that's taking place in the ring, and they were not doing that. They just kept it on her, and I don't know. So somebody was just not on their game that night. We'll just put it that way. And also, um, the Tag Team Championships will be on the line. Pretty Empowered, who are the uh, new and current champions, will take on or will give a rematch to the Hex. And that will be a street fight for the Women's Tag Team Championship. So, got quite a bit of stuff going on. To say nothing of the fact that since there have been massive changes that have taken place in WWE recently, the uh, women's division has seen some changes of their own. And I won't go all deep into it because, you know, I didn't prepare for it. I'm just kind of giving you off the top of my head. I mean, such as Shayna Baszler getting some attention now. Uh, the call for the Tag Team Championships to return, I think they have already announced that they will be bringing the Tag let me be specific, the Women's Tag Team Championships back. So, you know, those things are big deals. Shayna Baszler had been more or less buried and in, in <laughs> underneath WWE management. I don't think anybody saw anything in her except for, you know, the people that saw on NXT. She was a badass on NXT, one of the, the best champions that they had. And she got to the main roster, and that just slowly went away. And much like the tag team titles. Once they got them off of, uh, I should say got them off once, Sasha Banks and Naomi gave them up. They more or less just let them sit. This man saw nothing in those women's tag team championships. The new management, however, may want to cater to that. He may want to give them something to work for and wrestle for. And as it is announced, it is going to be beginning on uh, the 8th of August. They will begin a tournament to crown new champions. So depending on where you're listening to this or when you listen to this, it might have already started. So <clears throat> we will we will we'll see where that goes. That was uh, breaking news on their uh, Twitter. 
And I don't know if they have announced any teams. Now, that's one thing I want to say. I hope that WWE does going forward, that if they get this thing rolling, apply some teams who will, who will be teams and make it and make it important. You know, and I know that's what Sasha Banks and Naomi were trying to do. They wanted the championships to be important. They didn't want them to just be a sidebar. Or they didn't want them just to be some paperweight that they carried around that didn't mean anything and only gets broken out when it's convenient. If you're going to have the championships, they wanted to be the championships. And you know what? I know some people are like, oh, they shouldn't have walked out. Sasha spoiled and this, that, and the other. You know, I, I'm not going to get on anybody for, A, being passionate about their job or their career. Now, let me rephrase that, about their career. That's more than a job. And B, having the guts to stand up for it. Now, you got to be willing to walk away from everything when you have the guts to do that, but having the guts to stand up for it. And I think I said it before, that, that's a life lesson. That's not just a lesson in wrestling. If you have something that you decide, that, hey, look, I, this ain't right. This is not what I'm, I want to do. Having the guts to stand up for that accounts for a lot in, in your life. Uh, whether that be... You know, working at a fast food chain or all the way up to WWE. And, you know, that's something that more people could probably stand to do or have. Anyhow, let's move forward. And let's talk about WOW episode 30. Which, uh, surprise, that this is going to open up the same way. We got a recap and a vignette on the team of Exile. And this is going through... Exile's entrance up into present day, them attacking the Tag Team Champions, them attacking Keita Rush. And this is all a setup for Steffi Slays to team up with a new partner. And that partner would be Callie Ray. Why Callie Ray was my note here that I put to myself, but I'll move on. And uh, the, the, the video package also includes more Tessa Blanchard going after the Beast and more specifically the WoW Championship. Second segment is Exile versus Steffi Slays and Kylie Ray. And as I said, my note to myself when it was announced that Kylie Ray would be her pick was why. Not that Kylie Ray is some sort of bad wrestler or anything, but in the WoW universe, her first match was a loss. And I didn't see why if I was trying to take out this team or defeat this team who's been essentially running roughshod over, over the uh, roster, I think I would get somebody who's got a strong track record that I can ask to team up with. But that didn't happen. So we got Kyler Ray, we got Steffi Slays in a makeshift team. And lo and behold, they will get the win. This happens, uh, first off, the representatives of Exile here with Malaya Hosaka and Exodus. We are still applying the uh, Freebird rule here that any two of the three can work the tag team match. Uh, that's what happens here, but what goes down is that when uh, Malaya Hosaka is distracting the referee and they're getting ready to try and put the nail in the coffin on Steffi Slays, they being Exile, Calloway comes in and, and breaks it up. Steffi's able to then get the pin. Uh, not really much to, you know, nothing really complex about that, but I have to say this, you know, 
when Exile came in, they came in at the end of, and I don't like them breaking up their their uh, wrestling for seasons, but this is what they do. So at the season finale of the previous season, Exile comes in, they attack the tag team champions. And it seemed like, based on that, that they were going to make a march for the tag team titles. The whole thing there was, the, you know, they, we got a new team in and they can, you know, go after the belts, which, you know, they, they never said that. So I want to, you know, make make it clear that uh, this was my assumption from them. So <clears throat> it's not their fault that they didn't do it. I just would have liked them to. So, you know, I won't, I won't uh, get on wild for that. However... You would think that at some point that would be the case that they would look for and try to go after the tag team championships rather than just beat people up. And whatever influence that they had in terms of their uh, presence, it's slowly been dying off. Like they've already been beaten by and outsmarted by the tag team champions, and they never asked for a rematch. They just you know lost to Diamante and fired, and they, and they kind of moved on. Um, and now here you got a makeshift team who's together for the first time and they beat them. So I, I don't know where exile is going. And also it feels like another team has come around and they've started to lose their thunder. Like the, the entire purpose of exile is to have the new, the newbies, Genesis Exodus paired off with a veteran. And they then get the, the benefit of, uh, I guess, sitting under her learning tree, which is you know, absolutely nothing wrong with that. But lately, we've been seeing in previous episodes the building of a new trio with Jesse Jones and the Dixie Darlings, who feel like they have the same dynamic. We got two newbies who are paired off with a veteran. And to have two of them in the same roster on a program that's only an hour long, that, you know, really doesn't split themselves off all that much, you know, I mean, because they can't. They only got the one program. It's not like they got a Raw and a SmackDown. It feels like one is going to start to uh, take the spot of the other. In my opinion, they haven't done much with the with the, the darlings and Jesse Jones, but that's where it feels like it's headed. And if they are beginning to do that, then where's Exile going? They seem a little aimless right now. Whereas they were the hunted, now they, they've become the hunter. And nothing and there's been nothing bigger. There's been no big blow off. There's been nothing to like, hey, we're 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 heading towards uh, the big revenge match, the, the Keita Rush coming back, the the uh, you know Bully Busters versus Ex- Exile, nothing like that. There's or you know the big blow off match with them and the tag team champions. It was just one and done. As soon as they lost, moved on. So I don't know where Exodus, I mean Exodus, Exile is going as a group. It felt like they started off strong, but they don't feel strong anymore. After the match, you got a, a post-match interview from Steffi Slays. Now, I like Steffi Slays on the other side of this coin. I think that she is being advanced and she is being built up 
and she's starting to get another uh, feel and another vibe underneath her. And I think that she has the ability to, within the WoW universe, begin to uh, make a strong case for herself as a champion one way or the other. Now, that's going to depend on one of two things. One, is she going to stick at the tag team uh, division? Or two, are they going to want to build her because she has this kind of underdogish feel? I don't know if I would have her win it, but to see her in a competitive environment with a, a, some champion, one or the other, I think could be nice for her if it was, if it was a long, well-done, built angle. I don't think that's going to happen. But it would be nice to see it. Um, segment three is a recap of the Psycho Sisters, and and I and I'm going to call the opposition Evil Inc. just for simplicity's sake. It's a it's a recap of that and a seeing of the return of Spike. This leads into the next segment, which is Holiday versus Spike. So we got one a representative of the uh, Evil Inc a representative of the Psycho Sisters. And, of course, they can't do anything by themselves, so everybody comes to ringside, which causes the referees to say, okay, look, we got to, you know, you can't be here. You got to go. So all seconds were kicked out except for the participants of the match. Now, remember, Razor is uh, down and out because she got blowtorched in the face, I guess. And... Spike has been called in to take a place. Even though visually Spike doesn't doesn't look like she fits in the uh equation. But, you know, she was one of the original psychosists. She's changed her look. She's very bright, it's very vibrant, you know, got more makeup on. So she looks like she kind of fits in two different worlds, especially with the tattoos and et cetera, et cetera. But the, the uh but like I said, the seconds are kicked out at the beginning of the match. Uh, it's a it's a pretty decent match, and I would not expect anything less because you got two people in there who know how to work, and they are both veterans. Holiday works as Holiday on the independent scene. Spike works as uh, Hudson Envy on the independent scene, and I do believe that she spent some time over in Japan uh, some time ago, if you know before the pandemic. Uh, so. There's there's experience there, and there's a reason that they should be able to perform the way they perform. However, this match did them no favors. Spike did it at the end. She did a nice rolling crescent kick, but this still goes to another no contest DQ when all the friends slash seconds come brawling back out from the backstage towards ringside. Okay, so now in the kayfabe universe, and this guy's kicking him out from from ringside. The referee kicks him out originally. Why is there no consequence attached to coming back? What was the point of them listening to the ref in the first place if it was just this easy to turn right back around and come out here? Which is basically what they did. Yeah, they were fighting each other when they did it, but... Again, you think they would have separated them in the back room, put security in between them, something, but none of those things took place, and they wound up fighting themselves back out there, and which caused the DQ because they fought themselves into the ring. So now we got Princess Ozzy, we got Spike, we got 
uh, uh, I think I was naming the wrong two teams. So let me try it again. Princess Ozzy, Holiday, and uh, Siren against Spike, uh, Mesmera, and Fury. So when this happens, David McClain gets up with microphone in hand and he announces another six-woman tag. This is where I put, I'm not a fan of gimmick matches or over, overdoing gimmick matches, but this is time for a gimmick match. Almost every time that Dave Russell, this is not like he's applying some match that they haven't done before. They've had a six-woman tag match before. So why is this different? And why are we entertaining this thing just being some nonstop, never-ending feud? Finish this. And I'm thinking, okay, if, if they try to do that, why don't if there ever was a good time to apply gimmick, it's here. This has been the time to apply whatever gimmick that you can get. That's the whole purpose behind gimmick matches. It's not just to do it just for the sake of doing it. They used to put gimmick matches in there because they needed something settled. And this is the way that we have to settle it. You two teams will not stop fighting each other. You're going out to the crowd. You're going backstage. You can't be contained. But that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to put the six you in a steel cage. And whoever wins, wins. And at that point, if you attack anybody from there, we will press, you know, press charge. Something. Something to give us some sense of finality. Or something like that. It, it would have been fine to to just you know steel cage or cuff them the other four members to the post that ringside. Something something to prevent them from coming in because that is the whole crux of the matter. Is that when it's one on one or two on two, somebody always interferes. So they're trying they need to try to get around that. Just sticking them in a the six woman tag is not enough. And it just keeps going on and on and on. And then you have David McClain. Now, now this is the other part of this thing that I, I found funny. How David McClain is, I guess, trying to portray the Psycho Sisters as the baby faces here. Uh, telling Evil Inc., oh, and they're going to get revenge. Well, he didn't say get revenge. He said and to revenge their partner. I think he just got kind of lost in his words. It happens. But uh, they're trying to get revenge for Razor, who Evil Ink blew fire in their face. And, and he tried to make that sound like a heinous thing. And it is, except it's hard for me to feel sympathy for them, them being the Psycho Sisters. In this kayfabe world that we're living in right now, it's hard to feel sorry for them when they attacked first. Evil Ink was in their warehouse and do it with their set and they were recording a vignette for a while that was what they were doing when all of a sudden the psycho sisters come in knocking over the cameras and pushing things off and starting to fight all over again and then she got sprayed in the face with fire for it how could i feel sympathy for that she attacked them it's the same thing i said with the with the darlings a couple of weeks ago when they were stealing the boots of uh, you know Jesse Jones before they made amends with her and Amber O'Neill, they stole their boots before the match, and I'm like, well, that's a heel move there. Taking their boots is a heel move, and they kept trying to portray it like, oh, they're just playful scamps, and you know it's all all in good fun, and ah, oh, why can't they take a joke? Until they turn heel, now you know it's not playful anymore. But the the point being there is that. 
he doesn't really portray to the audience how these people are coming across. If anybody was to heal in this situation, it's the psycho sisters. When they come attacking me in my house, it'd be like somebody breaking into your home, threatening to kill you, and then you shoot them in the leg, and then they say, oh, man, my God, I'm going to sue you. And everybody gets on their side. Like, wait a minute, this dude broke into my house. Why are you getting mad at me? And that's how I feel about the the evil ink slash psycho sisters feud. Why would we? Why would I be rooting for the psycho sisters when they committed the crime essentially to begin with? But we will see, and I'm almost certain that they're not going to have any uh, gimmick match. But I will see the next time I watch. So. We move on, and, and now we go to segment five, and here's another one. I, I, I just was having problem not the problem, I guess, this episode. So we got Temptress, along with Dagger, who accompanies the ringside, taking on Faith the Linus. And they did a little recap when Faith was, you know, being introduced, where Dave McLean and uh, Stephen Dickey talk about, and the guts it took for her to, to cut her own hair and, you know, start – you know, all that stuff, which was nonsense, is absolute nonsense. First off, her hair was cut down to shoulder length. So it's not as if, and if you listen to the last episode, you've heard me go on about this. It's not as if it was some bald spot or they shaved the side of her head or they took a massive chunk out of the back to where it's noticeable. You can't even notice what those girls did to her. Not to the point that she had to go to the backstage and cry in the mirror and change her whole look because it's a new me now. They changed my hair, so I have to change with it. Her hair is literally just past shoulder length in these, you know, in this footage, in these matches. So, what 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 did she lose? What did she? What what was the problem here? Yeah, being held against your will and having something like that take place can be traumatizing, but. Where in this were you supposed to feel sorry? She walked backstage and she cut the the ends of her hair off and and that was it. And I said in the last episode, it is nothing a good salon can't fix. If you're not going to follow through with the stipulation, do not do the stipulation. If you're going to have an angle like this, because that match wasn't the stipulation, but if you're going to have an angle like this, don't do the angle if they're not willing to go all the way. <sighs> Anyhow. So, Faith shows up with her newly cut hair, which is no big deal, and new gear on. Looks like she just basically came from the gym and decided, all right, let me start wrestling. Got the red pants and T-shirt and what have you. This is a short match. Uh, Faith wins with the roundhouse kick. Essentially, like her version of Trouble in Paradise, it caught Temptress on the shoulder and it knocked her out. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the best I can give it. When I see Faith the Linus on these old episodes, knowing that she's in NXT now, I say, you know, physically speaking, she had all the tools or has all the tools to be a great wrestler in women's wrestling. Where she lacks... And probably still to this point is 
it feels like she's dependent on her look to get attention rather than something legitimate. Like if you're if you're wrestling, your looks are going to come into play anyway, especially in WWE because it's very cosmetic. But she's got to get past that. She's got she's got to get past operating off of her looks. Like I said, she's got the physical tools to be a wrestler, but I don't know if the psychology of it has begun to stick in yet. Her biggest claim to fame right now is the fact that she sat on some woman's chest when she made a pen, and all the guys in the audience lost their mind because they act like they ain't seen a woman with a nice butt before. So that was that. Faith won, and getting back to her, her whole point, I hope that she is learning the psychology of this so that she does not have to rely on her looks and her looks alone. I don't think that she's made any real progress yet, but, you know, time will tell. Another vignette happening. This is sets up the main event. Sets up uh, Serpentine versus Tessa Blanchard. Serpentine is out with uh, Sophia Lopez. Tessa Blanchard coming out. And... Uh, this is the easily the best match on the show. Easily the best match. Uh, these are two very talented women. It is a shame that Tessa Blanchard has dug such a hole for herself amongst wrestling fans. Well, not just say wrestling fans, amongst wrestlers. That she has essentially been viewed as toxic. It's been, you know, we reported a while back that she's been booted out of the uh the wild locker room, or not the wild locker, just out of wow. So, all the stuff that we're seeing right here, that's is, is pointless because I know that she ain't coming back to wow in this next season. So, whatever it is that she's got going, <laughs> unless she won the championship, which I wouldn't doubt, that means they're going to have to find some way to, to work around it or whatever storylines that she might have been a part of following it. So, not to go blow for blow and hole for hole and, and uh, commentate or count all of that stuff. But, again, it was a strong match. You can certainly go down and see it. Just skip right to the end. You're going to have to deal with some commercials. But uh, it'd be worth it. They, they, again, they do a, a fine job of, of letting these ladies go. Uh, Lopez is getting better as a manager. She's into the match. And that's what I like. In fact, I would go so far to say is that they need to do something to establish Sofia Lopez as the number one manager that exists in WoW. I mean, there's a couple of them there. You got uh, uh, Samantha Smart. You got Lana Starr. But Sofia Lopez should be the manager of WoW. Yeah, I, I know she unofficially had hold of the tag team champions for a moment. But She's not had a uh, a set of tag team champions or or any champion that matter that she's held on for a long period of time, and I would I think that I would like to see heel Sofia Lopez with a heel uh, wrestler go after and win some championship from out the tag team or singles rank. Uh, she also took a bump, and that that's another thing you know for a while the the managers just didn't take a bump. Sofia Lopez was one of them, but she took a bump, which is great. Uh, 
Then going towards the end of the match, following that bump, there was a drop kick from Blanchard. And turns and sets up Serpentine for the D, uh, the Diamond DDT. Sorry, not just DDT, the Diamond DDT, which is a hammerlock DDT. And boom, one, two, three. Tesla Blanchard is back in the main event scene and the number one contender and looking to uh, win her championship back. Or we can hope, or, or at least she would hope. And like I said, that's going to be that's going to be interesting to see because if she does, they're going to have to start it all over. All over again. It's going to be another tournament or something to crown champions. Or, you know, if she does come back, she's probably not going to be listed in or around the main event scene anytime soon. So, David goes in the ring to interview Blanchard. And, of course, you know, she gives him the lowdown on everything that she thinks she is. And that she's ready to be the wild champion once again. This was entertaining i guess to a degree but when i look back at the at the card i mean yeah you got slays and callaway ray wind you got a no contest i uh, got a quick win for the linus and then you got a quick well not quick but you got a win for tesla blanchard so those matches did cover the the bulk of the four hours four hours <laughs> ah we said it was four matches, one hour. <laughs> Sorry. This is nowhere near for us. But they did cover the bulk of that hour. And I thought it was nice. But I don't agree with the directions that they were going. This is one of the issues that you have when you are shooting something that is taped. And you have no ability to listen to the fans. You, you have no ability to say, hey, I don't think they should be doing that. Because, hey, they... <clears throat> The fans are chanting for them or the chance of booing them or this, what have you. Either way would work, but they don't have the opportunity to do that because of how they tape and when they tape. The first set of tapings that they did was in January of 2022. I mean, for this upcoming season, January of 2022. And they're not going to air until September. That is a long time. That's long enough to have a baby. But that's what they went for, and that's what uh, Dave McClain likes, apparently. And it may just be a case of, I know these people aren't coming back. I know so-and-so is going to disappear or whatever the case may be. And if they do, he needs to have his stuff in order. So in any case, that was the review for... Wow, Superheroes, episode 30. And I would like to see this thing, the last two episodes, do something important. It would have been nice if this was all leading towards some sort of a big main event or big pay-per-view or big TV special. It would have been nice if it was leading towards that. But I do not get the feeling that that is happening, nor will it happen. And I am more interested, before I go, I am more interested now in seeing how much of this last episode of WoW has to be dropped simply because people aren't coming back or, you know, that hiatus put them into some other place. 
It'll be interesting to see where this all goes. All right. Well, with that, as I uh, have sat here and given you my review of WoW, the next one comes up, episode 31. Should be a good one. And Oh, yeah. I forgot. I've seen this already, and, and there's one on there that already bothers me. But I won't go into that until I have the episode ready to record. So, that said, this is Mr. Green saying that this is Mr. Green saying so long, and we will see you on the next go-round. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for listening to the WPN's Rights and Wrongs of Pro Wrestling. If you have questions or comments, please contact us via our Facebook or our YouTube channel at the Women's Pro Wrestling Network. If you're new to the WPN, feel free to subscribe to our channel and like our page. We appreciate your support. Thank you again for listening. <laughs>